So, hey, it is a joy to be with you here at Rock Prairie Church. In case you don't know who I am, my name is David Sluka, and I'm the worship pastor here. Very thankful to serve in this role, and once in a while, I get to preach too. So, um, we're going to open up our Bibles to Judges and continue our study. And uh, overflowing from last week, we're looking at the adult life of Samson. So go to Judges chapter 14, and we are going to attempt to cover three chapters, 14, 15, and 16. So uh, here we go. <laughs> looking forward to that. Uh, and just a couple details about the previous chapter. Uh, we learned a little bit last week from Pastor Mike um, I don't know if you guys can remember the first thing that happened in chapter 13. Israel, once again, has done evil. Hey, great job, Craig, Stacy. You guys pay attention. Evil in the eyes of the Lord, which we hear that over and over and over again in the book of Judges. This is uh, no surprise. But they've hit a new low, an all-time low, because now Israel is not repentant. And they are not calling out to God for deliverance. It's not like they don't even want to just get away from the suffering of God's punishment. And he has allowed them to be given over to the Philistines for 40 years. That's a long time. 40 years as a result of this evil they have done. And then we get this seemingly random couple that shows up. Manoah and his wife. They have a revelation from an angel that they're going to have a son who is going to begin to deliver them from the Philistines. Well, that's good news, like Pastor Mike said, because they're the Philistines, or excuse me, the Israelites, they're not calling out for help, and yet God is intervening anyway. Israelites are content to be under the leadership of the Philistines, but God's not going to have that. He doesn't want that. So he's sending a deliverer, Samson. And at the end of the chapter... Samson is born, the, he is blessed by the Lord, and the Spirit of God begins to stir him up. That kind of makes us, makes us excited about the next chapter. What's God going to do through Samson? And um, as usual in Judges, we're going to paraphrase a lot. Like I say, we're going through three chapters. Um, I was talking with Mike about it, and if we were to read all three chapters, it would take us 25 minutes just to do that. So we're not going to do that. We're gonna, but there's lots of details, plenty of application beyond what we're going to talk about this morning. So it's always good to go back and look at what we talked about, but also um, look for other things as well. Um, so we, before we begin chapter 14, let's pray one more time, and uh, then we'll get started. So Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word this morning. It's a humble privilege to speak it, Lord, and I pray that you would equip me to say whatever you want and calm my mind and also stop my tongue from speaking anything that you don't want said. Open up our hearts, Lord, to not just listen to this word, but to do what it says to become your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, 
Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Wait a minute. God prophesied that Samson would deliver the Israelites from who? The Philistines. It's okay to participate on a Sunday morning. Israel needs to be delivered from the Philistines. And the first thing that we see Samson as an adult doing is finding a wife from the Philistines. That's a problem. And his parents see it plain as day. Samson, isn't there anyone from among our relatives? You've got to go to the enemy to get a wife. And, I mean, I guess let's be honest. The prospects in Israel probably aren't that great either because we see the cycle happening in Israel. They're probably no better off. But the difference is Israel is God's chosen people. You've got to go to the pagan enemy. But Samson has brilliant reasoning for his choice. She is right in my eyes. Oh, you guys don't know. Mom and Dad, you, don't, you didn't see what I saw. She is right in my eyes. But there was something going on that Samson's parents didn't know about. Look at verse 4. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So this completely foolish act on Samson's part was actually part of God's plan to stir up trouble with the Philistines. So let's be clear, lest anyone misapplies what we are reading right now. Samson's being very foolish. God says, don't get a wife from the foreign women. Why? Because you're going to start worshiping their gods. That was God's reasoning. There's plenty of other reasons. But God knew what was going on, didn't he? doesn't mean that we should just do whatever we want because God's going to work into his glory. It does mean we can do stupid things and he is above that and he can work it to his ultimate plan. But we can either be blessed by his sovereignty or we can suffer in the midst of his sovereignty. And we also get to see Samson's big-time weakness show up for the first time. It's lust. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Oh, man, she is right in my eyes. That's all he needed. In fact, verse 7 says he hadn't even talked to her yet. He asked to marry her. Then they went down and talked to her. So the point is God's not condoning his behavior. But whatever Samson's going to do is not going to stop God's plans. Right? So this is our first point. Man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. And that actually comes right out of Proverbs 16.9. I'll say it again. A man makes plans in his heart, but God, the Lord, directs his steps. And we see this illustrated twice in Samson's life, at least twice. And the first time is at Samson's wedding celebration. So I'm going to begin the paraphrase, just so you're aware. There's, there's a lot to cover and um, so you got to put yourself in the mind of mom and dad going to Samson's wedding. All right? They have gone through with Samson's wishes. They have funded a feast, a wedding feast, sat through the ceremony and watched him be married to his Philistine bride. Okay? And if that wasn't enough, Samson decides to make a little wager with 30 of the male Philistines that are there at this wedding. He wants to make a bet with them. Why does he do that? I don't know. Maybe it was tradition, but there really wasn't a good reason to make this little bet. So he says, hey, guys, I'm going to give you a riddle. If you can figure it out, 
then I will give you 30 sets of brand new clothes, which I don't have, which he didn't say. <laughs> and he says, if you cannot figure out this riddle, then you're going to pay me 30 brand new sets of clothes. I'm not going to explain the riddle. You'll have to go back and read that on your own. Bottom line is, Samson loses the bet. He loses the bet. And the Philistines, they go to his new bride. They threaten her. She gets the answer to the riddle. Then they go and proudly say to Samson, we figured it out. But Samson knows what's going on because look at verse 18, the second half of verse 18. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. <laughs> he is quite the romantic, is he not? So he knows, let's flesh that out. He knows they threatened his wife. And he is not happy about that. Now look at verse 19. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. What's that? What's that mean? God's spirit comes upon Samson in the midst of his fury over the stupid bet that he made and then he goes off several miles to another city beats down and kills 30 philistines takes their clothes and goes and pays his debt and then it says in hot anger he went back to his father's house oh in verse 20 samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man <laughs> what do you do with that what is going on here? You can see that Samson is not blessed in the silly choice that he made, right? He didn't actually end up getting what he wanted. The wife he wanted, who he shouldn't have had, was given away. But what else was going on? God's plan is happening just like he said it would. 30 Philistines are now dead. Okay? Yes? All right. I think half of you heard that. So... That just reiterates, a man makes plans in his heart, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, another example of that is in chapter 15, continuing the paraphrase. In the beginning, Samson wants to get his wife back. So apparently he left her for a temporary time just to cool off, and he wants her back. So he brings a goat, excellent gift, and his father-in-law refuses to let him in. And then, in fact, his uh, father-in-law actually says, here, just take uh, her sister. <laughs> okay. So Samson is more than a little mad about this. And his idea of a tantrum is to find 300 foxes and somehow tie them together into pairs, put a lit torch somehow among these foxes and to release them into Philistine crop fields in its harvest time. Now, I'm sure several of you know more about farming than I do. But harvest time, you're hoping for dry crops, right? Wouldn't that be a bit of a disaster to have flaming foxes running through your fields? And that caused no little disturbance with the Philistines. In fact, they end up burning his father-in-law and ex-wife-ish with fire. That was their retaliation. So there's like this weird back and forth going on with Samson because he got upset, you know. And so he's causing problems with the Philistines. So much so that they come and now attack the Israelites. It says that the Philistines make an, a raid on the Israelites. And the Israelites are like, what are you doing? 
Why are you attacking us? We submit to you. We obey you. We're not causing trouble. They said, yes, you are. Samson is causing us trouble. Now give him to us. So, wait a minute. Isn't Samson supposed to be the leader of Israel? How is Israel so blind to what their leader is doing? And there's no respect for him, nor is there any backbone. They send 3,000 of their own men to talk to Samson. And Samson agrees to give himself to the Philistines. They bind him. And then beautiful verse 14. Chapter 15, verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. And then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. Uh-oh. Verse 15, he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it and with it he struck a thousand men. Can you picture that? Samson allowed himself to be given over to the Philistines. The Spirit of God shows up. His bonds fall off his hands. And then he finds, I mean, can you picture this? A donkey's jawbone? You can't make this stuff up. And he whoops on a thousand Philistines. Must have taken a little while. One man. And don't forget about the cause and effect. Why did this even happen? Because Samson was mad and lit some fields on fire. And then all of a sudden, we have God's plan showing up yet again. And Samson really lost out because what is, what is his goal? To get back his wife. Well, he lost his wife in a terrible way. But there are now a total of 1,030 Philistines dead. And I'll remind you, what did God want to do with Samson? He wanted to begin to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. God's will is perfectly intact. Samson is kind of like the Incredible Hulk. I don't really need to explain that, but I might just because for fun. He's that fictional character who's like human until he gets mad. And then he like becomes this big green beast, ripped. And he smashes everything in his path, good or bad, right? So all you got to do is point him in the right direction, tick him off. And away he goes. Obviously, on a much more uh, broader scale. That's what, that's what it appears like God is doing with Samson. He's moving all these puzzle pieces around, getting the Philistines in just the right spot so that he can unleash an unrestrained and spirit-empowered Samson at the enemy. That's uh, not high praise for Samson, but it is high praise for God. God took Samson's mess and was still accomplishing his will. Now, on a little more serious note, I think we can probably think of times in our own lives when God has intervened, when we're making foolish choices, or maybe I'm the only one who makes foolish choices. Anyone ever been teenagers? Once. <laughs> we got a few that have been teenagers. I've made some foolish choices as a teenager. I remember many times that I thought I knew better than mom and dad. I wouldn't have said that, but that's what I thought. And uh, at the end of high school, I had made decisions on a relationship that was not honoring to God, even though somehow, in a weird way, I thought that it was, but it wasn't. And I wanted to leave the state, 
and pursue a very expensive education in a music field that really was more dependent on being around the right people at the right time than it was anything else. And yeah, that kind of stuff happens. Sometimes people get successful that way, but that was not a good plan. And I was advised against that plan. And yet, God has a way of intervening and derailing plans when even if we're not willing. My mind was set. I'm going to do this. And then he said, no, you're not. The relationship broke off out of nowhere. And then I had to really think about, what am I doing with my future? God spared me. And I was brokenhearted at that time that all those changes happened. I wasn't benefiting from the choice that I made, but God had a plan. Now, it's not like I'm some super awesome person, pastor, but God had a plan that I was going to be a pastor here. That would have never happened if I would have headed down that road that I was on. And I can reflect on that now. How about you? You reflect on different things that maybe you decided to do or thought you were, was really smart, but then God intervened. Just good reflection that God's sovereignty can be trusted as he has proven over and over and over again. And we can plan in our hearts, but the Lord ultimately directs our steps. That's our first point. Now we get a little hope with Samson as we end chapter 15 because, well, I'm going to continue the paraphrase again. He's whooped on these 1,000 Philistines, and he's thirsty. I would be too, right? And he calls out to God, which is foreign to the people of Israel right now. So he calls out to God, and he says, You granted this great victory, this great salvation at the hand of your servant, and now am I going to die of thirst? And guess what? God answered that prayer and provided water. Samson recognized the salvation came from God. Things are looking up. So we go into chapter, 15, or chapter 16 with some higher expectation. But unfortunately, things get worse before they get better. Our second point is we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Let's see this play out. Chapter 16, verse 1. Are you there? Yes? All right. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute and went into her. Did you hear what I said? Samson went to Gaza, there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. Do I need to explain that anymore? Not good. All of our wonderful hope that we put into Samson is now gone. He laid with a prostitute. And the Philistines hear about it, and they're like, oh, we got him now. So they lay in ambush, but he gets away. His weakness shows up, his lust shows up, but he gets away with it, at least until verse 4. Look at verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Hello, Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. Find out in other parts of Judges, there were five Philistine lords there. So with some, a little bit of math, 5,500 pieces of silver, which would have equaled about 550 years worth of wages. Years. That's a lot of money. And she didn't have to think about it. Verse 6, so Delilah said to Samson, 
please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound, that one could subdue you. You like that? I won't do that, that S part again. That was my Delilah voice. So, Samson is already drunk with lust, man. He can't see what's coming, even though all of us can. Even if you didn't know the story, you could probably see where it's going. It might be obvious to us, because we know how it ends. But Delilah asks the secret of his strength, and he starts playing a little game with her. He tells her three different times a fake method to get rid of his strength. And three different times, Delilah tries those methods. Three different times, she also gets the Philistines hidden in some kind of inner chamber in her house that Samson doesn't know about. And they're waiting to see if it works. Because if it doesn't work, well, they know what happens. Thousand of their, 1,030 Philistines are dead, right? They want to make sure he's weak. But three different times, wah, 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 doesn't work. How does he not see what's going on? He's getting what he wants out of this relationship. I can project that into this story based on his history. And Delilah's willing to give him whatever he wants as long as there's a chance. She can get the payout at the end. So she goes for his heart. Look at verse 15. Chapter 16, verse 15. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. Despicable. And she presses him hard, begging day after day until he is, quote, unquote, vexed to death. Dude, that's some pretty serious nagging going on. And Samson's in too deep. He cannot see. He believes her. And he tells her his heart. I'm a Nazarite to God from birth. If I ever get a haircut, my strength is gone. There. See? Come give daddy a hug. I mean, really, what is going through his mind? And you see Delilah... Oh, you really love me. And in her mind, she's going, gotcha. It's funny and yet awful. Awful. So she goes and tells the Philistines, he told me his heart. We got him. Get yourselves ready. She gets him to fall asleep on her lap. See how evil this is? She gets a guy to come in and cut his hair. He sleeps through a haircut. And then, look at verse 20. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. Oh, God. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now, there's some super sad words. He didn't even know God had left him. He was so numb, so blind. It didn't even cross his mind. She might actually do that. And then he finally reaped what he sowed. Look at verse 21. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in prison. The mighty Samson has been brought low. Sin enters his heart through his eyes. And what did he lose? His eyes. And now he's a slave to his enemy. 
Now, it's really easy to pick on Samson, isn't it? How? You, what are you doing, man? Any of us could have seen this a mile away, right? And I think it's easy to think about that with other people. When we see disaster come on them, oh, I always knew we were gonna, that was going to happen, right? So it's, it's easy, but what about when it's you? What about when it's us? When we're into sin, how easy is it to just kind of go, I, I got this. I'm in control. I can stop this anytime I want to. But if we continue down that road, it can have some serious consequences. And I hate it, but I've, I've had experience with failure, sexual failure. And when I was a kid, I, I know I've told this story before. Praise the Lord, there's a good ending. But right, I mean, I was 10, maybe 11, and I saw a picture that was almost completely random, something I shouldn't have seen, sexual. And I had to make a choice right there as a kid. Am I going to hide this, or am I going to tell somebody about it? Am I going to run away from this temptation? No. With one glance and one decision, I was all in. And I grew up as a teenager addicted to pornography. And that carried all the way up into my marriage. And I would love to say, if someone could have said, that's going to end badly if you take that into your marriage, I would love to say that I would have listened. But I think I know the human heart, and you probably do too. We don't listen to that. We might say we do, but it's hard to let go of something like that. When you're the one that's in sin, it causes a lot of problems. It causes some big issues in my marriage. And I reaped what I sowed. Samson reaped what he sowed. Now maybe, just maybe, you might be like me, where you're dealing with something right now, where you are toying with sin. It's like playing with fire, right? What happens when you play with fire? You get burned looks so good. I can control it. I can turn it off anytime I want to. Hear the word of the Lord today. Don't, don't keep doing that. Get out while you still can. See, Samson got caught. And because of that, he got severe punishment. And there's consequences for our sin. But it's so much better if you can deal with it now before you get caught, right? So I don't need to say any more about that. Uh, just take that. Uh, and if the Holy Spirit is working on you, praise God. Do something with it. Cut it off. Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, what do you do? Cut it off. You weirdos. Cut your arm off. What, is that what he means? No, he wants you to cut off the source. Whatever it was. For me, it was getting rid of the internet for a time. And yeah, that was inconvenient. But it was a lot better than if I had just kept doing it. Right? Same for Samson. What if he could have just known Get away from Delilah. This is just like the last relationship you had. If he could have just done that. So heed the word of the Lord. We reap what we sow. Flee temptation. Proverbs talks about with the, the, an adulterous woman. Don't even go near her street. Get away from her street. Leave the town if you have to. Move away. Do whatever you got to do. It's not worth it. We reap what we sow. Uh, now what if it's too late? What if we got some folks with us who are in the middle of the destruction that they have caused. Maybe you got something going on, you know, and, and now you're just reaping what you sowed. What do you do then? And the good news is Samson's got another lesson to teach us, and that is that God restores us if we repent. That's our final point. Samson's in chains. The Philistines ordered to have him brought to the temple of their god, Dagon. 
And they are praising their God. Oh, mighty Dagon, you have delivered Samson over to us. They're talking to a carved idol, something they made, and now they're worshiping. And obviously we know that God is the one who allowed Samson to be in the situation he's in. But they want to throw a party about it and give all the glory to their carved idol. So they invite everybody. You got the five Philistine lords there, the same ones that paid off Delilah. Then you got 3,000-ish other people all hanging out on the roof watching Samson as he's brought out to entertain them. And they put him in between two pillars that are holding up the roof. Had to be some pretty hefty pillars to hold 3,000 plus people. And Samson is blind, no eyes, no strength, although his hair started to grow longer, so we know he was in prison for a little while. And the person leading him, he, he says, hey, can I lean up against one of these pillars over here? And the guy says, sure, no big deal. What's the harm in that? Look at verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord. And he said, oh Lord, God, please. Remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's, and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. What a gracious God. What an amazing ending. Samson calls on the Lord and his tone is much different. I imagine, I didn't expect to cry, nor do I ever, but it did happen. I imagine Samson sounded something like that. Please remember me. Please strengthen me just this once. His arrogance is gone. He's been humbled. And he may have lost his physical eyes, but his spiritual eyes are open. And this, this is the prayer of a repentant man. Now, let's not read into the statement about, let me be avenged on them for my two eyes. Let's not read into that and think that he wasn't repentant. Hebrews chapter 11, we're not going to turn there, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Hebrews chapter 11, some call it the Hall of Faith, it's just a nickname, but it's a good one, because in Hebrews chapter 11 in the, in the New Testament, it talks about people from the Old Testament who had faith that pleased God, and we got people like Abraham in there, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, People you would say are like icons in the Old Testament. Of course they had faith that pleased God. And guess who's at the end of that list? Samson. Yeah, Samson. He went down in history as a man of faith, despite the many mistakes that he had made. Yeah. At the end of his life, he came to himself and he turned to God. And with his final breath, he took out more Philistines in one blow than he had done his entire life. God is good. 
God fulfilled what he had spoken over Samson, that he would begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And Samson suffered greatly because of his poor choices. But in the end, he was blessed, even when he gave up his life. Why? Because his faith saved his soul. And that's how we should remember Samson. And what a tragedy it would have been for him to suffer like he did, be chained to that millstone, and be bitter in his heart. Can't believe this happened to me. God, why did this happen to me? He could have done that. It would have gotten him nowhere, but he could have gone, done that. Instead, he humbled himself before God. And that is how you answer the question, what if I'm already suffering the consequence of my sin? What if I'm already in the middle of destruction that I caused? Samson modeled the answer. Humble yourself. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. It has to do with repentance. Humble yourself before God. Repent. Don't grow bitter. Don't, don't wallow in self-pity. Repent. The same God who restored Samson can and will restore you if you repent. And I don't know if he'll remove the consequences of your sin. He let me suffer, rightly so, in my marriage. Woohoo, come on. God has brought healing and restoration in my marriage, and we have suffered. I caused a lot of pain, but God redeemed. I repented. I'm not, it's no pat on my back. Oh, good job. You're sorry for your sin. No, but it is so much better because of repentance. I could have destroyed my family, but I've seen him deliver when there was no deliverance in sight. There shouldn't have been. He's God of grace. And so if he has allowed you the breath of another day and you have a situation like that, heed the word of the Lord and repent and be restored. And then he says he'll lift you up. And the hardest part then is to trust him with whatever results come. Trust him to get you through whatever happens next. My every man a warrior guys are going to recognize this because if you can do that, if you can be trained by the discipline that God gives you, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace if you can be trained by it. So let me encourage you with the, all the love I can muster Man plans in his heart. The Lord directs his steps. We reap what we sow, for good or for bad. And if we end up on the wrong side of that, and we humble ourselves and repent, God restores us. That's what we learn from Samson's adulthood. Praise God. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's powerful. It has the power to change power of salvation right there thank you Lord that there is forgiveness of every single sin you don't treat us as our sins deserve as it says in Psalms 103 and as far as the east is from the west so far do you remove our sins from us you don't stay angry you direct our paths even when we don't want to be led Holy Spirit complete your work today whatever you have started 
in this room, in our hearts. I pray you bring it to completion in Jesus' name. Let it be. Give, give strength to those who need it to humble themselves. Bring light into darkness. Give them grace, God, because you are a God who restores, and you want that. Your heart is that every person will be saved. Every person will repent and become just like you, enjoying the blessing and benefit of being in your favor and your grace. Let each person experience that, Lord. And maybe for those that are doing well today, may you just affirm your love for them. Keep them guarded. Keep us away from the street that we're not supposed to go near, whatever that happens to be. Teach us your ways, Father. We love you. Thank you that you love us first. In Jesus' name, amen.